and Mama K. It's all four of us. It's a solid quattro. That's not a thing. She's always making up numbers on the show. So, uh, and tonight, I didn't if, make that you know, up. It's a real number. If all of us being on didn't already clue you in, it is a host pick episode. For those who have not heard a host pick episode yet, it is where one of the four hosts here picks something that's not. A regular narrative movie, uh, they can pick whatever they want. I mean, they can pick one, or they can pick a documentary, or a series of short clips, or basically any movie-length-ish thing that can be found on a major streaming platform, or otherwise free online. And this month, it is Nicole's pick. Nicole, what did you have us watch? Yeah, I had us watch the boy band Con, the story of Lou Pearlman, which All right. is... Uh, Something that I was not familiar with, even though I grew up a 90s baby, listening to boy bands of the time, like NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, LFO, O-Town. Um, this is a new, this is a story that was new to me, and I think it's just because I was so young when it came, when you know, when this was happening, that I wasn't aware of it and didn't know about it into my later years, so I, once I... Kind of, I saw it on TikTok, actually, if I'm being honest. I saw someone <laughs> talking about it, and I'm like, what is this? And I, I looked it up, I was like, oh shit, I have to watch this, so what better time than to make all the, all you guys watch it too? <laughs> the, uh, the boy band con, the Lou Pearlman story. Uh, a, look, a look at the rise and fall of boy band impresario Lou Pearlman, who not only discovered NSYNC and Backstreet Boys, but set up one of the largest Ponzi schemes in U.S. history. Mom K, how much did you know about... Uh, Lou Pearlman or the boy band con the documentary going in? Uh, nothing. Like, Not a thing? I know oh, wow. that there's boy bands. You never heard of Lou Pearlman either? You know, I feel like I probably did, like, in passing, but only in one of those, oh, he's one of those guys that's gonna take advantage of a bunch of young kids. And I don't know. Was I right? Was I wrong? We'll find out soon. Well, Jess, <laughs> you, uh, you would have been the only other person who would have been a, a little little girl during the boy band days so did you how much did you know about this <laughs> i mean i am a little older and more mature than nicole by two months what? um mm. but <laughs> <laughs> a little more mature, more mature. <laughs> I, I don't know more mature yeah maybe older, older she's but... <laughs> aged she's more aged but i i'm on the same boat as her i listened to the bands but i knew nothing about the politics behind them i think yeah i, I agree with her we were too little so I know who these two bands are. Uh, not I just was not my style of music. I don't think that should shock anyone. Um, and <laughs> I did not know the man behind it. I, I knew a little bit of stuff. Like I knew boy bands were a constructed thing. Like they didn't really happen organically. Typically, they were put together, and they were more of like a package kind of thing as opposed to like a just like a regular band that got famous. Uh, that was the extent, though. I didn't know uh, the whole how how they made them and that they were all kind of owned by one dude, and I didn't know anything about the man Lou Perlman himself. Uh, so if you have any interest in seeing this before we talk about it in all spoilers, uh, it is on YouTube free right now. The entire hour, 39-minute documentary is available on YouTube free. So go check that out if you have any interest. We're going to spoil it now. And uh, we don't have the traditional rating system on the host pick shows. We just kind of talk about what the picker wants to talk about. So, Nicole, why did you pick this? And what are, what are, what are the things you want to bring up at the beginning here? So, as I said, I really loved these bands growing up. Um, and the, the documentary really starts off, like, pretty awesome. It's, like, all the old songs. And I'm like, this is going to be great. And then it just spirals into this crazy fucking story <laughs> that I was not <laughs> expecting at all. Um, but I, I know that other artists of that time period like uh just give an example who's not in the documentary but britney spears right now there's a huge push it push towards getting her um some more freedom than what she has because you know her, her father and things that she's dealt with in her life so to see that that is not just a, a one-time occurrence shouldn't be startling but it it just didn't make sense to me to think that those two bands in sync and backstreet boys had something similar happen in their younger years so what i mean by that is 
Uh, so Lou Pearlman was this entrepreneur and he had his hand dabbling in a couple different things as he was growing up. Um, they give us a whole backstory about his entrepreneurial, uh, tendencies from when he was younger. Um, or so we think what we find out to be a lie and what we find out to be truthful throughout the documentary is pretty interesting, but he decides to start this band and Brennan brought up a really good point that I didn't think about too, is when he was down in Orlando, of course, that's like the hub in the nineties because of all the Disney stuff that's going on down there. So there's obviously going to be kids that are trying to make a living, I guess, doing something cool and what better, what better place to do it than there. So I'll just start with that. And, you know, basically the guts of this movie um, is the some of the members. This is produced by Lance Bass, who said he had his own production company. That was pretty cool. Um, Lance Bass Productions. Very creative. Yeah. (laughs) But um, (laughs) just their accounts of this guy. And I am excited for us to talk about like some of the things that happened during this and some of the surprises that we get along the way but that's kind of what drew me to it is i loved these bands i still like them i love the the guys that were in it i think that they're all very respectable people still and it was just interesting to hear their backstory how they kind of overcame this kind of traumatic stuff for being however old they were so what I yeah so what I I was watching this I guess I'll just start like how I how it came off to me it's like a three it's like a three, it's pretty three act to me first being all the boy band stuff this is going ninety they give you a timeline throughout the movie it feels like ninety three to ninety eight ninety nine is kind of when they're putting uh NSYNC and Backstreet Boys together after Lou Pearlman uh, I think he meets new kids on the block and realizes they're making a shit ton of money doing their boy band thing because of a, a jet company he's uh, associated with uh and so he just <laughs> decides to well <laughs> as far as we know kind of uh and he so he just decides to you know plop down in Orlando Florida which I thought this beginning part is really interesting because he's going he's in Orlando Florida he's not in New York he's not in LA he's not in London that's what they other manager kind of people that they interview in this who are related to the music industry like he goes to this place where it's rife with talent that's completely cheap and exploitable and there's no faces or names everyone down there is working at disney or or universal studios and they have a bunch of just kind of like low stage actors and kid actors and it's really it'd be it'd be really easy to take advantage of these inexperienced talented people and you know work them to the bone and screw them over uh and that's like the first third and then the middle third is we flash back and learn a bunch about lou perlman growing up and we interview get interviews from his family or not his family a bunch of like childhood friends in quotation friends uh mm-hmm. and uh some other some other people he was associated in business with and then the third act is like i get, i would call it an all-out barrage of of anything from an, from insults to legitimate complaints and and concerns and then we, we culminate with what, what what happens to to old lou there uh well okay what did you what did you think of this yeah, I had the same. I had the same feeling when I was watching it. In the, I was like, I kind of had the feeling of what this was going to be. I mean, it's called the boy band con, so I figure it's going to be Lou Pearlman's probably not a good guy. But if you watch the first, I don't know, thirty, forty minutes in the movie, I'm like, wow, these these boys really, really uh, bought into this guy's, you know, um, package, and that he, you know, he sounds like he was an extraordinary salesman of things that don't exist and the way that i thought boy this is not the movie i thought it was going to be because i really was like these they have really kind things to say about this man and and then there's this little shift where lance uh lance is talking uh he's one of the main um guys sort of giving his opinion and he starts talking about how they were only paid 35 dollars a day to do all the things that they were doing um they weren't getting residuals off of anything they weren't they weren't getting any money they were getting 35 dollars a day uh even back in the 90s that was pretty crappy so it's it's like okay this is starting to shift and then they did then they went back and talked to his one best friend that he's had forever who 
sounds like Andy. he was just a patsy. Yeah, just a patsy for this guy. You know, I mean, it's his only friend, but I re- he just really treats... Uh, he's a sociopath. Uh, Lou Pearlman was a sociopath because he just treats people... Uh, they're, they're disposable. And then when you get to the third act... Um, first of all, I think it's amazing in the second act that they both think that this uh, dirigible company is like the way to go like this is the new thing like i don't understand how airships is going to be with the blimps yeah the blimps was interesting i had i didn't see any of that coming (laughs) i didn't see any of that coming either and i was all like who is buying into airships or blimps are is is the new you know everything so um, enough enough company what do you say they got mcdonald's MetLife right. and SeaWorld, and it's right. it's weird because he's he's a mix of con and actual business because like a lot of what yes. he did, yeah, it was just pure stealing. But he also did really do a lot of these things, so it gets money, right. and and yeah, that was one of the weirder things was his his airship. Ventures. And that's kind of the thing that we get in the third act is that you know there's somebody one of one of the boy band people think I think says something about. How, you know, he was already making money hand over fist, yet he felt the need to have all these tremendous lies and screw people over even further, you know, to make more money. And he, you know, he's this real, you know, roly poly, unassuming looking dude who clearly wanted to be part of these boy bands. I mean, I think he was probably perpetually 14 and it's... You know, it's kind of sad in that, you know, when you're looking at it from that perspective, but this guy had, you know, he had no soul. If you could not do something for him, this is what I came off out of it with. If you can't do something for him and be useful to him, you are persona non grata. And I think that once, once the, once they decide, once they figured out that this was not working and then Plessy had this whole Ponzi scheme uh, about an airline that didn't exist that he was selling you know ventures with and you know the it's the complete and all these people that came on go i never thought it would happen to me i never thought i was the kind of person and i'm looking at it going you are exactly the kind of person <laughs> i would think that would fall for all of these things oh, including yeah. including the parents of these boy band kids where you know the parents come on and and i don't know whether the point is to make it feel more um like this couldn't have happened or we didn't see this coming. And I'm like, blind y'all are blind with the capital (laughs) blind. So, uh, I'm sorry. I talked an awful lot there about that, but I had, there's, there was all, there was all of that going on in this, in this. It's intriguing. Yeah. Jess, what were your, what are your, what are your broad thoughts here before we go into maybe some specifics Nicole would want to talk about? Yeah, so I remember like a little rivalry or fun between NSYNC and um, the Backstreet Boys. And I remember being little and I had to like remember which song was sung by which band. I wouldn't be embarrassed. (laughs) Which which guy was in which band? (laughs) Exactly. Which guy was in which band? Which band sang which song? I remember. I had to remember that because I didn't want to embarrass myself in front of everyone. (laughs) Um, So that was fun. And I do remember that I knew. Justin Timberlake, I think Britney Spears and Nick Carter. I knew they were all from um, the Mickey Mouse Club. Maybe Christina yeah. Aguilera too. Christina and so Aguilera now it all and, came together. Yeah. Oh, what and, was that? and Ryan, um, what's his name? Gosling. Gosling. Ryan Gosling. Yeah. Oh, I had no idea he was. Yeah. But that all came together when I knew they were from the Mickey Mouse Club. I didn't know how the bands came together, and I had no idea it was one manager managing both of them. But it, it totally makes sense now. And like Mama Kay said, I have no idea how the parents didn't, how oh it raised gosh. no red flags. They basically all lived in this big frat house, making no money <laughs> and just dancing all day. I, I would be like afraid to send my kid there with just this stranger you don't know. And especially because they're all young kids and I'm sure their parents had, or they even had goals themselves to, I don't know, go to school or do something. But instead they're living in this house and... I, I don't know. It just seems like a really weird situation. So I think Michael there were Jackson. a ton of red flags. And was it AJ or I'm sorry, I forget his name. And it's the one whose mom was there a lot and the blonde one. Lance That's Lance. on AJ. That's though. Lance Bass. Lance. Yeah. yeah. Even even they were like, we just chose to see the good in it. Like it, it just seems so yeah. fun. We just went along with it. I'm just like, oh my gosh. Um, 
This is only my kid's future. No biggie. <laughs> exactly. So a lot of it was just mind-boggling how much he got away with, especially because they sued him, and then he still pursued to be fraudulent, which was... He still made, yeah. like, eight more bands. Like, right. who were all, yeah, exactly. They, they were, like, excited to go work with him, <laughs> even though he had just been sued by his right. biggest clients. <laughs> we heard... They're like, we heard all the stories, but, you know... You just gotta but they're go famous now because of it, so, you know. Well, I know, and that's the whole thing. It's like, wait a minute, maybe we are doing this wrong. Maybe it's okay to do that. Well, maybe I should have pushed you into something like that. That kind of brings up a point I want to make about what you guys are saying. So I, I'm on your side with this should have raised red flags to the parents. But if you're looking through the, bo- the boys' perspective, I mean, they... Are, they're starting out small. Most of them weren't even on Mickey Mouse Club. They just were a group of guys who wanted to be in in a band, and he collected them all. And you know, if they aren't making money from the beginning, how long are they going to not accept money before they start to to say something? They're I think that they're about six years. <laughs> well, well, they were, but they were. In, they were enjoying, what I'm trying to say is they were enjoying doing it, and I can understand that there's a breaking point of them not getting paid, when is our money coming, but I don't fault them, because how else are they going to continue to be successful? They need to keep having the stage presence. I feel like they knew if they complained, he could say, okay, well, I'm giving this to Backstreet Boys instead, or I'm giving it to NSYNC instead, whatever it may be, but... They had to, I think they, the parents and them had to make a decision and say, I know you haven't gotten paid yet. I know that this is tough, but if you want your name to still be out there, you kind of have to bite the bullet and just do it. And unfortunately it didn't work out for them that way, but I I don't think it's that outlandish for them to not be, I don't know. I I think one of the smartest things is that he had these two big bands that he could pit against one another. And I had no idea that they were run by the same man. And that would make me pause a little bit, I think, um, as just as a consumer to think about that, because then you're like, there's no, you know, it's like not having a choice for your cable company kind of thing. If you want a boy band. You know, so you just you're monopolized do one of the boy band community. He monopolized, yeah, <laughs> and and I think that, really did. I think, yeah, I think you're right in that. And that if you're if you're pitting one against the other, and and you know nobody else is getting more than thirty five dollars a day, maybe it's all I right. Mean, we see that when Backstreet Boys turns down that that one venue, and yeah. that's how InSync became popular overnight. They did one show, and it was played every single day on TV, and that's how. That's how Lou got money from both of them. Like it was just, it's, it's. I don't not. I'm not on Lou's side at all. But it's like a genius ploy to like get more money. (laughs) It it really is an evil genius plan. Um, Yes. Imagine if this happened today. Like all they'd have to do is tweet something, and then like it would be just all over the internet or wars or anything. So it is kind of like more of a secret or more to themselves happening in the 90s because no one had any idea. Nothing was published on the internet. There was no revenue anywhere. It was just, you. there's no way to have a big voice. And if it happened now, all you had to do was post one thing or say one thing and it would be just right. chaos everywhere and hashtags and this guy would have been like in trouble for good. Like this guy's kind of a a, a Bernie Madoff but mixed with like a Harvey Weinstein because he's done. He, because also Michael Ber- Jackson. <laughs> well, I mean, you could you could Weinstein lump that part. He's he's got like the creepy, abusive, screwing colleagues out of mindset, like like a Weinstein. But he's also like the the glad handing Ponzi schemer that that yeah. Madoff was. So he's he's a, he fits well with the with the big big old fat white dude, and mogul. also predatory towards young children. Yeah. Just, I, oh, so, yeah. That one story they told that was creepy yeah. as hell. But I do yeah. have so I have problems in the third act. I like this for the first two acts, and I have some problems with how because like it's it's a it's a good competent I would say like for me like a three ish star documentary maybe three and a half like it's it's like a really solid like version of this story because it's 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 the the you know rise and fall of of a of a mogul. And because because of his own gross badness, uh, and the you know the it focuses in the first 
third on the boy band stuff, the stuff that draws you in, the stuff that made makes people like Nicole want to go and see this documentary. If it wasn't about the Backstreet Boys, it was about an you know just another Ponzi schemer. Probably a little less interesting. Um, the middle chunk is the Ponzi schemeish part, but by the third act, it starts to feel like um, it starts to feel less fair. Because this whole time, that the first two thirds feels like a, a fair, but obviously tilted representation of who this guy was. Because everyone in this is, is pretty much his would be arch enemies: the people in the bands he screwed over, the people who got screwed over by his Ponzi scheme, childhood friends who were definitely not friends but thought he was like the weird kid, and the only defenders even close <laughs> is, is Aaron his one Carter. Fr- Aaron Carter. Is Aaron <laughs> Carter, Carter. Who they use. Who they use footage, and Nicole pointed this out. From like a 6ABC interview. Yes, from not this production. This looks like it was definitely put together over several years. I read that afterwards, since Lance Bass is one of the leading producers behind this, they didn't want to put this together until after... Until after he died. Uh, spoiler, I guess. We're in spoilers. Blue Perlman is dead. Um, but they didn't want to put this together until after his death because they, he said they just didn't want to deal with all of that. And I think that's part of what keeps this from reaching the next level is there's no – it's just a it's just a one-way street. I don't I, – I can't imagine that no one else knew anything ever about anything. I can't imagine everyone hated Lou Perlman. Like, the, these are the people who would hate Lou Perlman the most. And so I, I'm curious by the third act when it's narratively off the rails, it starts to become, oh, and he touched us and he was taking videos of us, creepy things. He had death threats. Oh, and he also like it just it goes from this narrative of he built this Ponzi scheme to he's just a horrible, gross man. Look at all these horrible things he also did. And then that that. But they also had I mean. They had his two friends. They had that woman that was speaking about it. She doesn't believe that he did anything out of line. She even says that. She said when they're talking about, um, I think it was something about him being some sort of predatory towards the younger people. And she said she never thought he would be that way. And also, I feel like, I mean, Andy, his friend Andy was very, very teetering to me. I think that he really respects him but was uh, he he liked him but he didn't respect him i don't know I feel how like to he had stockholm it. syndrome with him yeah honestly. i feel like he was like awed by all the things that he did and the fact that this guy who was so you know powerful would still call him and it's he was thinking at the time that it was for counsel but it turns out that it's you know more nefarious than that but then we got the other guy who was his friend who said all of that is bullshit he was a loser <laughs> yeah <laughs> he never made no money on a paper route he just made a whole thing up and then and then one day uh, garfunkel shows up to his bar mitzvah and, oh my thing, gosh. And, and everyone loves him all of a sudden I'm, and still don't have that answer to that how how did, <laughs> yeah, did was he yeah, really I, they don't really, really say aren't Garfunkel because they set yeah, him up as a big a liar, and then then like yeah, he said he was really a dark Garfunkel, which a bunch of bullshit. Well, then he showed up to his bar mitzvah, but you know whatever, I don't know. <laughs> and then they never talk about it again. I'm like, well, that seems like a pretty important <laughs> part of his whole beginning of hey, I can lie to people, get away with it. Like, I, how did what? So you know, some questions left unanswered. <laughs> but that was it, it was so n- narratively satisfying and tight up until. The, the they sue and they win and they get their so freedom. You just think that it's slander after that because he's not. I'm not saying it's not war- I'm not saying it's not warranted and that they're not right. I'm not saying that like what. I'm not saying every accusation after the, in the third act is invalid. I bet most of it probably to some I mean, degree. I mean, the Lou, the Lou Pearlman happens. Foundation can make a documentary and refute all of it if they want, but this is people who had real accounts of of dealing with him and and well, being their lives were not uh, what the the outcome of working with him was not right and that's why Lance Bass decided to do this and that's why so many different people in these bands got together and to say something they didn't have to say anything I guess I, I'll I, I want to hear what well, okay, I just think about my my major criticism with it, which is the two thirds feels like the Lou Perlman story. The last third feels like we hate Lou Perlman the documentary. So I'm not saying they're not <laughs> I'm not saying they're not right. I'm saying it's not satisfying because the first two thirds is actually a good narrative structure for a documentary, and the last third feels like 
sour grapes. I don't know. What do you, what do you guys think? The first part definitely lured me in more, and I was way more interested. He just he seemed like a, like whatever he once said. He wanted to be part of the group. It's always the kind of guy he envisioned, but it's just not who he really was. And it it just seemed like he was a cheapskate, but he was still I don't know kind of a good guy. He was nice. He did like he did provide the house and everything for them. He just ripped him off in the end. But the second part made him seem like a total con. Like he just took everyone's money and then gambled it away in Jamaica or wherever he was. Yeah. Um, More, yeah. Was, was it Jamaica? I think it's where DG. The Bahamas or it was Bahamas it was somewhere, maybe. but that was that was part of the part of and another thing. He did this stupid horrible thing and they had the thing where he was like um working with like another company that was ripping off models but he what but that wasn't even really him at that point and then there's like a Cong- a US attorney general involved and they interview that the old assistant DA but that's not even really about him at that point that's just like another scummy person that he was associated with part of the documentary yeah and i do think his female friend i feel like she had something to hide i feel like they told her you should say these things about him just to make something obscure it didn't seem like, all these people hated him, and then she was like, I don't know, he was capable of that, and, like, this I was apparently, the like, the best feeling. friend. Yeah. That she was getting so. paid off. She got a $10,000 check, too. <laughs> Just years later. She was the was seventh probably, member. <laughs> they were probably, like, lovers or something, and she doesn't yeah, want to or she, Yeah, or, like, yeah, he gave her oh, a ton no of money way. or something. Yeah, that was based on Because money. it's, like... He didn't have any friends, everyone picked on her, but, like, she just seemed like a normal girl, and no one that probably would be his friend, so I'm sure she had some sort of incentive. I don't know. Well, also, the managers, they interview a lot of the managers, and when they show that yeah. little chart of how the money flows and why the Backstreet Boys and the and NSYNC only got a couple, grand, what, 10 grand for their, for their years of services because of their shitty contracts that they made... Like the managers are upstream from that, they are uh, they are part of the expenses line. I don't know what they actually got paid, but it's just like the idea that like Lou created this whole thirty year con by himself, and everyone was kept in the dark, and no one knew anything. It's hard to buy that. It's hard to buy that no one yeah. is helping him, and that it's what that one congressman they mentioned at the end that said that he didn't want to be interviewed. I just don't buy that. I, there's got to be other things and people who knew more than they're letting on. Maybe they're not the people in this documentary, but he, he's by the end he he's only semi competent. He only kind of knows how to get away with it. He's good enough to get a, like to, and <laughs> all the people I'm kind of with. Well, okay, they kind of come off as rubes and and Jess too. Like they they, they come off as gullible people a lot of them or or so desperate <laughs> so desperate to believe this shiny lie that they'll just do it and i don't know that's how it comes off to me a lot of time i i can't buy that well, he's truly such a mastermind i think what happens is once the government gets involved or maybe this is what they were trying to get us to believe is that once the government gets involved uh, when it comes to things like tax tax evasion and um you know uh, ponzi scheme situations then it turns a whole different corner and there is absolutely no way this man did this all by himself. I mean, there's, there's just not. And even if no one was knew all the stuff, they were all complicit in turning away from it because there was a choice at one point by pretty much everybody in this film to turn away from the fact that what he was doing was not fair and, you know, there's a finder's fee involved sure when you do something like that or if you're going to be you know why are you not their manager then at least you can you know have some you can skim something off the top and it's real and it's a it's a real thing you know i i don't the managers particularly and the record companies all should have they knew there's no way right they had they to know. know and they had to have a big slice of the pie it wasn't 98 percent goes to lou perlman and he gives piddly little amounts to everyone else there's there's other people getting these these big chunks of change yeah it's just not the kids and i think right. it was really funny when he talked you know when he tells the story about when they went to dinner and you know lou put has the the envelope on each one of their plates and they're thinking that they're going to get you know six seven figures something like that and it's ten thousand dollars I think it's kind of funny where, like, that's how things change. It's like, you weren't getting damn shit before that. Now, all of a sudden, you've got a check worth $10,000. And now it's making you, like, start to think about this. I'm like, you haven't been paid in forever. Well, this is part of what makes Lou 
stupid to me because they, they were like, I hope so I get $200,000. I'm like, dude, you've been working nonstop for three years. You're one of the most famous members of a boy band. You you want $200,000 for three years of work? And I'm like, exactly. Lou, pay them that. That's not that much. They're asking for nothing. <laughs> They're asking for a million dollars a yeah. band for three years of work. That's You can keep doing this for longer. Like They're, they're so naive still. Yeah, but he's using that money to try to, you know, get in, get bigger schemes going on. He's one of those people that just can't stop. That he's, you know, oh, he bought like a yogurt company. Oh yeah, like, didn't I don't he know what the make... fuck he's doing? Oh yeah, TTBY. <laughs> didn't he make like ten bands, including like three girl bands, and then there was like a Spanish band and all yeah. this yeah. other stuff. He basically yeah. made different versions of NSYNC and Backstreet Boys for another, and then he made like a reality show about them, uh, which Making I had never the band. heard of. Yeah. What, so I, I remember ask, that show too. You you watched? See, I had never heard of that. Was it on? I remember it always being on MTV. It was on MTV. Uh, yeah. 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 That's well, that's this is the all thing Carson Daly's is, fault, actually. He, yeah. I think, there you go. Well, this they talk about this. It was like the it, it that show meshed to a decline and a rise. The decline of the pop boy band, which I would argue has resurfaced, and the yeah. rise of of reality shows because there weren't a lot of reality shows back then this was like very early on and all that you know it was again he has some smart venture ideas he and if he weren't such a piece of shit he probably would have done okay he probably <laughs> like he probably wouldn't have had to do all, all the things he did he'd only have to go halfway and be mediocre at it do you know what i mean yeah he didn't have just to like be, be a, a rock star shit. at it yeah <laughs> i mean he if he added to a zero to more... that he doesn't have to do any more work once the once the bands are famous, they they'll do everything themselves. Like they will make the money themselves. He really could have just sat back and relaxed and just profited off of what they were, what NSYNC and Backstreet Boys were doing. <laughs> but he really liked. I know airships. that's my earlier point when he was just being a cheapskate and with the boy bands. But I don't know how he didn't think he was going to go to jail when he just took everyone's money for that airline and just gambled right. it away. Like, wh- what were you thinking? Well, that's part of the type of people these high-level yeah. scam artists are is they think they Sociopaths. are this on top. Yeah, they, it's it's a mental disease where like it makes them successful for a while. And some some people, you know, some people who actually legitimately are make their money that way. A lot of the top richest people are just good sociopaths because they can do it. It takes a special, it's just a special kind of brain chemistry to get there. And then there's ones like this who just they they, they play outside the rules, and that's why they get tangled up in the end. Um, I need to ask though before before Nicole gets to uh, whatever the next part she wants to bring up. What's the appeal of the all girl boy version boy band? Who 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 is that for? Because Jess Nicole, did you listen to whatever groups those were? Are um, they for boys? Because I had never heard of them, and I no, not, they're not. It's not like they're, I would go for. So they're not. There's no. I haven't heard of the band Innocence was the band of that she was in, and I haven't heard yeah. of them. But you can just. Um, if you think about, I mean, so obvious Spice Girls or Pussycat Dolls, like these oh, bands are yeah. girl power. I mean, power I was the Cheetah Girls for a good minute. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, all those things are about friendship and girl power and uh, strength okay. of being a woman, and that's exactly what they were trying to. Um, you know, they they already they already got the girls attached to the boy bands let's get them attached to a girl band it's just just more money for him it's just another band for people to buy merchandise for (laughs) i don't think he would have been able to tap into that part of it though you know what i mean i think it it, i don't think he would have been able to sell the powerful you know girl power situation with what with the same kind of formula he was and using especially for the boy not bands. what he was doing to them unfortunately as right. we learned from what from one of the members apparently uh, they were tan very very tan and I'm aaron just... carter was like i use that tanning bed there were never any cameras my <laughs> we mom need to, we camera. need to spend some significant time on aaron carter well, that's so. he's he's there to be the only person to fully defend and he's portrayed as just this crazy emotional mess. I know he's probably he had Nicole, Nicole and Forney has his own problems. Well. Yeah, he's not yeah, well. That's and what, he's known for not being well too. So the right. fact that they put him on there and he already has a reputation, I think it wasn't to show that one person liked him. It was to show like that one person liked him. Yeah, this yeah, is the, the guy the, who's going to defend him. 
the least stable, biggest train wreck of the person. Yeah. And we're not going to even use, we're going to use footage from another thing that we've somehow got permission to use is what it feels like. That's part of the, but that's all the third act where I'm like, I can see how that could, would raise a problem for you. Until the I, end. It feels yeah. fair until the end. It feels like he's a bad guy, but here's the evidence. And then by the end, it just feels like, and another thing. He he made us tan and then showed the boys our pictures. And I'm like, yeah, that's bad, but that's not the, what the movie's about. It's it's. I understand it's filling his character out, but that's not... It's weird to well, just tack on 30 Well, that's all it is, though. Just leave it that. at that, then. That's what it, we're trying... They're trying... Uh, Lance wanted to, I, I feel like I am like, I'm proud of the guys who decided to talk in this because obviously not all of them did. And I mean, some of the, I know, the, I wish Justin Timberlake was, well, on there. I was just going to say some of the biggest ones like Justin Timberlake did not talk in this and you wonder why is it because, right. Did they not want to taint their reputation or did they not want to say something or did they not feel the same way like what what was the reasoning behind them not wanting to be a part of this um so that does i do wonder about that too but for the guys i mean the guys that they got are still some of the high profile ones like like ashley parker angel was the lead of o-town and they're he was on that show so a lot of people know him a lot of people see the one whose skin kept changing colors yeah i don't know what was going on did you guys get that too the one guy who's like (laughs) Certain camera angles made him look like like orange partially, and then like kind of like he had jaundice or something. It was very, it was very distracting. <laughs> yeah. I didn't notice that. It, no, I didn't either. I it was distracting. Maybe it was I was on TV. I don't. <laughs> yeah, but no one else looked like that. It was just him. Everyone else looked like regular people, and he, he looked like he he had the scurvy. Like he looked, he looked very oh ill <laughs> or too much makeup, but only certain lighting. It was very weird. It did seem like Lance and his mom like loved being loved being interviewed. Like you could tell Lance was like, "Yeah, okay, I like really no, he like good. He yeah, it. It. he was so dramatic, so. and he like him and his mom. You knew played out exactly what were they going to say? How are they going to scrapbook or whatever yeah. it was? Yeah, well, and like them asking each other questions it. at like the at the kitchen table. Like you just knew like Lance was loving this attention." <laughs> Yeah, that's what it kind of felt like to me at times. Which it, it, again, he made it. I know he did, but he's yeah, he's I, I, it's very obvious. Lance Bass Productions made this, and he is right. him and his mom are the stars. And like, wow, we really, I can't believe he hurt all these people. And then like you know, like a single tear rolls down the eye of the old wife of the veteran. <laughs> I'm like, I can't. That's the it gets to it goes too far. It goes from being fair to being just like. This evil man hurt all of us so, and we, we and and like they're all doing fine. Like I know, except for Aaron Carter, they, they, like, they like they even <laughs> if they're not relevant like they once once were. They all agree with you. Okay, well, I'm not, that's I'm, that's I'm how the little, that's how it came off to me. I'm a little mad at you right now for saying this. Because <laughs> it's still like a three star documentary. It's still a good examination of his character. It just lose. It starts to lose it a little bit. It doesn't. It doesn't stick the landing for me. I mean, if you made a fucking movie, wouldn't you be the star of it? I don't understand why you're getting so mad at Lance Bass for being the star of the movie. I don't. I don't know. Especially if I would since be the Brennan, star of my movie. Brennan, Brennan usually really likes when somebody is super egocentric about the movie that they're making. So hey, this is heck? really off brand for him. <laughs> he, but he doesn't seem. He seems like like virtue. Like when someone's the center of their attention in the movie, it's because they're kind of a little crazy and they're kind of like. And I, I like their big ideas. This doesn't seem. This seems more like. Uh, yeah, I can his, capitalize uh, about, on this. It doesn't feel about, genuine. He's been bottling up this documentary for four years now. The guy died in 2016. He, well, he put this out in 2019, so three years. Like That's a long time to be waiting to tell your story. Of course he's eager. I think he was waiting because he didn't want the risk of someone, of of Lou or some or Lou's sympathizers or whoever worked with him to, to try to block him, to try to put legal action in or to, to well, do I mean, something is- to stop him now that Lou's gone he, he now that Lou's gone he's like we just didn't want to deal with that to me we just didn't want to deal with that is we didn't want to deal with Lou or his people and you know have to have the controversy instead we just wanted we just wanted to ha- have a cathartic yelling session about him well but you think just, Lou really think died really from bad. like health issues I mean, he was really he didn't look story. healthy so I don't know I mean he <laughs> he, he was like 62 in prison so i mean i I feel like if someone would have if he died nefariously it would have happened as soon as he went in or 
soon. I think he was just not in good health, but that's, I don't know. I have no idea. It's the Jeffrey Epstein syndrome, but. Yeah, I don't know if he, I don't know if he had that type of deal going on behind the scenes. So I, uh, I, mean, I just, I, what has been the, what has been the really uh, reaction like to this? I mean, have, have there been more people that have come out on, on his side or I just can't imagine. I just can't. No, I'm sure imagine. that's the thing is like, I'm sure you, there's no, there's no reason to come out on his side. He's dead. And everyone who talked about this is that he's terrible. So there's no, there's no, it's callous, but there's no social capital to gain coming out in defense of him. That's why the only person who is, is, you know, sad Aaron <laughs> Carter. So I don't, I know. I mean, even I if, wanted the, even to see, if, I wanted to see a, a cut to Nick Carter going, uh, Aaron, uh, no. he's like grabbing his collar like oh boy uh there is so but there is something that they don't bring up till the end and that's because i don't remember if they had mentioned earlier but it was a revelation to me the airplane that is on all the his his (laughs) you know fake airplane company was just a model that he like pinched the pinched the tail and nicole nicole was talking because we we keep seeing that one model in that guy's house the what what's the what's the airline called uh oh no the transcontinental transcontinental right which you know we've learned is not even a real airline or a real business he slap some labels on some stuff when he needed to make it look like it was a thing and all the promotional materials is just little models that he literally held up at airports and i i they talk a little bit at the end that like he still got a bunch of unrecovered money just like a lot of these ponzi schemers do they have money all all over the world and all kinds of different places that is unrecovered and i was like uh the end of the movies we're gonna go to andy's place and he's gonna he's gonna do a little smirk and he's gonna unscrew the top of the of the, the of the little plane of the airplane and there's gonna yeah. be a key inside and like andy's the and that's why that's why he has this one childhood friend who he keeps stringing along and he's the, andy's the key to finding to finding the treasure of, of lou perlman but then we also find andy dies uh in the credits <laughs> so it's like I national guess. treasure four or whatever yeah they're gonna go find <laughs> lou perlman's treasure but uh, I don't know. That, that's that's. I don't have any more on that one, Nicole. Any what other things do you have for us? I'm really glad that I watched this because <clears throat> this is just like such a big chunk of like me growing up, and just to to know that something like this so dirty happened to these guys that were, you know, in their teens. Like it's just it's a sad thing to think about. I wonder if. Are, do you, do you think it's plausible for these things to continue to be happening today? I know Jess kind of touched on her thoughts about it, saying, you know, it's there's so much social media availability for people to say something. But do you think that you know, for younger people who perhaps don't have the means to make it the big themselves, and they use an agent, like, what do you think could happen now? Like, I mean. We see so many things go on with like Taylor Swift had a really horrible time with her agent and Kesha had a terrible time with her agent. Like, do you think that there's others that can't say something like the Backstreet Boys couldn't say something or NSYNC couldn't say something because it would just threaten their popularity? Yeah, I, I already said what I wanted to say about that. I think popularity <laughs> more is... Now there's more factors. Now you can be popular with like all your Instagram followers. You can be popular with just trending somewhere. So I think you can make a hashtag or kind of make your voice and um, you can speak out that way. And I'm sure if you're really famous, you have managers everywhere making you offers or, you know, you're more aware and everyone's more educated with how the business works. Whereas before, like you're, everyone's just gullible because it's just a guy in the street talking to you, and there's no way to research the business. You can just Google or look, look up facts or stats on other people of your same net worth and kind of see where they're at in their life. Okay. Yeah. So I think that I think that there is credence to that, Jess. But I think that there's also something that um, I think as just casual consumers of this, we don't. There's a whole game about all of the entertainment industry that we don't understand at all um, from, you know, managers to publicists, um, you know, the paparazzi, everyone's like, oh, somebody caught so-and-so, you know, doing this, that, and the other. And I'm like, 
Yeah, paparazzi don't just hang out in somebody's garden. You know, somebody calls them and says, hang out in this garden. Um, it's it's a lot more um, manufactured than I think we give it credit for. So um, I think that 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 plays a that plays a big part now. And I think that the people who are celebrities have to be mindful of that is that there's uh, there are a lot of people watching and there's a lot of people involved and everybody has, you know, their own, their own role to play, but they're also, I don't know that it's, it's that you can feel like it's a super trustworthy thing because all of this is based on ego and it's all based on, um, a certain amount of lies and, um, it's just not a, it's not a clean industry, any of it. So, I think it could easily happen now um, and you can still be afraid to come out and say anything about it. I, I think, and I'm a little bit more with Mon K here, as technology and industries change, so do the strategies of scammers and right. you know big businessy people who have the money and the power and the connections to continue to manipulate things and tilt scales in their favor. They're smart people. The entire drive and goal is to accumulate and defeat opponents. And as long as you have people like that in any sort of situations of power, and it's not like you can remove them because the people who replace the people who do that are the next best people to the, do that. The same people, the, yeah. Right. You don't get a lot of people who get rise all the way up to the power uncorrupted and do things truly for a greater good. I mean, that doesn't... Just or even happen. just for the art, even no, you know. yeah, that's that's rare. That's that's atypical. So I think, and I, it goes back to like I, my final example before I guess we close up. Uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, very popular movie, one of the highest grossing of all time, nineteen thirty seven. <laughs> the woman who did the voice of Snow White, she got paid scale by Walt Disney. She got paid nothing and got no royalties, nothing. And she's the voice of the, one of the biggest movies of all time. And you flash forward 90 years later, it's same same scams, different different things. You know, it's it's been happening since the dawn of all things. And uh, I don't I think technology may help the uh, and, and social media may help the very high influenced people fight against their producer, manager, captors. Um, but they're always, I think they're always going to kind of be a couple more steps ahead. So I don't think it's, I don't think it's the end of scamming. I think we're just entering a new, new era. Um, Nicole, do you have any closing thoughts? Anything else you wanted to add for us on your pick? Um, no, I'm, I'm glad this documentary was made. I'm glad that these men had a chance and women had a chance to say their piece about it. Um, I don't agree with you of saying that they waited until he died because of reasons of not wanting backlash. I think that they did it just maybe one as a respect to him since he was still alive and maybe they had a d agreement with their lawsuit they weren't allowed to talk about it mm, but maybe you know i loved these bands growing up and i'm really glad that i like i i'm not glad to know what happened but i'm glad to know what happened and just to see how successful the majority of them came out to be you know doing things on their own i just wonder how things would have been different if maybe it went on a little bit longer or they didn't say something or win the, the suit whatever it was you know there were so many factors involved um but i think that it kind of benefited everybody for the way that things turned out and they could still be successful even after you know this really shitty thing happened to them so i'm just yeah, happy that and backstreet boys great. even got back together so look at that yeah that's true Full backstreet's yeah. back yeah. All right. Backstreet's <laughs> back. <laughs> uh, Jess, any closing thoughts? <laughs> uh, no, I wanted to thank Nicole for having me watch this because I think I'm on the same page as her where I just remember these bands when I was little, but I had no idea about the scamming behind it or the the blimp scamming or, I mean, I'm, I'm, so, <laughs> I'm not surprised I don't know about that. <laughs> it's not nothing I would research. But just how many just schemes this one guy could accomplish in his lifetime okay yeah i i really enjoyed this it was this was a great call nicole um i'm really uh interested in how many hours of sleep a night lou perlman really got ever yeah seriously at least people don't sleep crazy people um yeah I, it's a it's a solid doc it's informative um it's and it, it, if it didn't have s such a clenched fist for me behind the scenes i think it would be a a really good portrayal uh it just but by the end becomes a little a little too uh 
emotionally rattled and uh, less focused than the beginning was, but uh, I still a quality like three ish star doc. I, I still enjoyed it. Learned a lot. Didn't know a lot about all this stuff. Uh, so yeah, I, it, a worthwhile experience. Uh, so thank you, Nicole, for your host. Yeah, pick thanks, this guys. Month. That was a good one. Yeah. And yeah, uh, coming up, coming up this month, uh, we are going to try to do our best to do as much 2020 movies as we can. I found some streaming, a couple I've seen, a couple I haven't. Um, theater stuff, we're going to keep sprinkling in as big stuff comes out. There's it's just limited big, even though some theaters are now open. Jess, I know I don't think theaters are open by you yet still. Is that right? Yeah, I think California is still shut down. Yeah, so there are still places that are shut down. So we're cognizant of that. We're not going to do only theater reviews. We're going to sprinkle them in when they're big ones or ones that interest enough of us uh but we're gonna try to do more 2020 that's streaming available for everyone just so when we, i was thinking about our top fives at the end of the year i'm like Jess has probably seen like 13 2020 movies so her top five is gonna her, her, her fifth favorite movie will probably be a movie she hates so we'll I'll try, we'll try to broaden our 2020 horizons for the rest of the year and if you have anything to recommend to us in the meantime uh films with the women in my life on facebook you can reach out to me on instagram i am brennan underscore podhost Final four of the Pixar tournament. So if you want to go and vote on that last week to do so, uh, you can reach out on Twitter at films, women pod, email the show films with women at gmail.com. And we now have our YouTube channel films with the women in my life, uploading new stuff to that periodically. So I think we have like our first 20 ish episodes up there. So we want to go back and check them out on YouTube. Just the audio pretty much, uh, films with the women in my life. All right. Thank you guys for being on. Thank you, Nicole, for selecting. Cool. Yeah, thank you. Bye, bye, bye. Bye. (laughs) Uh, Until next time, this is Brett inside the outside. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your movies. Thanks for listening to Films with the Women in My Life. If you enjoyed being a listener in our life, please rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Keep up with the latest from the show on Instagram at Brennan underscore podhost, on Facebook at Films with the Women in My Life, and on Twitter at Films Women Pod. Finally, you can email the show with questions and suggestions at filmswiththewomen at gmail.com. Original music for the show was created by Ian Burke and Chris Iwanek. Original artwork created by Nicole D'Alessio. This show is produced by Brennan Snyder. Thank you again for listening and enjoy your movies.